0: You're listening to another life-transforming message from C3 Church San Diego. For more information on our church, go to C3SanDiego.com. Who's ready to come around the Word of God today? We are in our Jesus is King series. Thank you, Kanye. And who would have thought, who would have thought that Kanye in 2019 would be doing a gospel album with Kenny G in it? That's a strange thing. But that's cool, I mean, I am I actually, personally, I believed in Kanye before all the other Christians got on board, now everyone loves him, but I, I was with him before. I had, I had faith that Kanye would turn a corner and he has, and God bless him. And so uh, the title of my message this morning is Use This Gospel, Use This Gospel. Use this gospel for protection. There you go. It's a hard road to heaven. We call on your, your blessing. We put our faith. All right, that's that's good, that's good. There we go. Wow, this church plays rap music. Just stick around, we play it all the time. Let's pray. God, I thank you for everybody here at the 10 a.m. service. I thank you that we are going to have some fun in church, that we're going to learn a few things from the Bible today. Thank you for all these incredible people sitting here today, Lord. Bless them, bless my words. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, this is going to be fun. So let's start today with the story of when Jesus turns water into wine. Great story. Yeah, if that really got you excited? Um, could be a problem. Uh, <laughs> could be. There's a certain level of excitement that you should experience. But um, just a disclaimer, religious people who have a hatred against alcohol will have a, a problem with this story. They will have a problem with it. So just bear with me. Um, one of the fruits of the spirit is self-control. It's a fruit of the spirit that gives us self-control. It's it is what it is. Self-control. You can control yourself. Um, so so alcohol, uh, I'm just going to go there. Is not from the devil. It's not from the devil. Um, the, the abuse of alcohol certainly is. So what I'm not saying that uh, that uh, you should go to Vons this afternoon and get a six pack of wine, uh, although that would get you 30% off. <laughs> you can. They have the carry case. So you. You know, you got a problem when you got two carry cases. And that's all you got. Uh, buy something else as well. Um, but and you would get 30% off. Actually, I, I think it's a deal. But um, but I'm just saying. What I am saying, though, uh, I'm not saying you should go ahead and, and, and go nuts. But I'm also not. I'm also saying that if it's if it's a big problem for you, or if it's a problem for you and your family, or if it's a generational thing, then hey, I I think that that's actually smart for you not to have any alcohol in your whole house. Uh, so I, I think that I'm not saying that you should, you know, drink every night. I'm not saying you should not drink at all. I'm saying that you have a thing called self-control and that alcohol is not from the devil, but the abuse of it is. So just throwing that out there, just so we can all be on the same page. Because some Christians don't believe this story is actually, like they, they believe the Bible's a misprint and that Jesus didn't turn it into wine. He turned it into like Dr. Pepper or something. It's not true. It's not true. Dr. Pepper wasn't even around back then and it tastes like cough medicine. So anyway, (laughs) John chapter two, verse one. John chapter two, verse one. The next day, there was a wedding celebration in the village of Cana in Galilee. Cana's a beautiful place, beautiful lake views, a lot of Art Deco, and uh, they have a Chuck E. Cheese and Olive Garden, all the the good stuff's at Cana. Uh, They don't, I'm just, they may now, but not back then. Jesus' mother was there and and, uh, Jesus and His disciples were also invited to this celebration which is a good thing. It's a good thing when Christians get invited to stuff. Uh, verse three. Yeah. If you haven't been invited, well, that's sad. Verse three. The wine supply ran out during the festivities, so Jesus' mother told him they've got no more wine. Dear woman, that's not our problem. Jesus replied, my time has not yet come. So Jesus had not yet performed a miracle. He's getting ready to wind up. This is his first Miracle about to take place. But his mother told his servants, do whatever he tells you. Verse six, standing nearby were six stone water jars used for Jewish ceremonial washing. Each could hold 20 to 30 gallons. These were big stone water jars. Jesus told the servants, fill the jars with water. When the jars had been filled, he said, now dip some out, take it to the master of the ceremony. So the servants followed his Instructions. So the first lesson, I've got about six of these quick lessons to go through today and then we're gonna wrap up church and have a phenomenal afternoon. Uh, the first lesson today though is, is that Jesus fills what is empty. This is good news for anybody who as this year is coming to a close, maybe you feel somewhat empty. Maybe you feel completely empty. The good news about being empty is that Jesus now has something to work with. When you and I come to Jesus with it all together, already fulfilled, He can't fill something that's already been filled by man. He needs something empty. He needs an empty vessel in order to fill it. But that's not my whole message. That's just the first little thought I have around this story. Before we continue the story, though, let's look at the the filling and distribution process. I find this interesting. You see, the first thing that happens is Jesus sees what is empty. Jesus sees these empty stone jars. Then He gets His disciples to fill it with water. Doesn't fill it Himself. Doesn't get a couple of Home Depot buckets and run back and forth. He doesn't do that. He gets His disciples to fill the buckets. Then He turns it into wine. And then he has his disciples take it to the master of the ceremonies. You see, I find this interesting because in this miracle here, we see a distinct process, which I think is the process in which many miracles actually occur. The beautiful partnership between God and man, the beautiful partnership between we move and then God moves. We move and then God moves. Jesus didn't do this whole miracle by Himself. He also didn't have the disciples do the whole thing by themselves. It was a beautiful partnership between God and man. So my second lesson today is that there's a process for every miracle. And we are smart people if we know when it is our move and when it is God's move. We are smart people to not give up in the middle of the process. We are smart people to see the process all the way through. Verse nine, when the master of ceremonies tasted the water, that was now wine, not knowing where he had come from, though the servants knew, he called the bridegroom over. Host always serves the best wine first, he said. Then when everyone's had a few drinks, he brings out the less expensive wine, the cheap stuff, the bottom shelf stuff. But you, you've kept the best until now. So the third lesson from this, story here, is that Jesus is into excellence. In fact, the best is His default. The best is His normal. Jesus could have filled the jars with some Sutter Home, Sav Blanc. (laughs) Now, if you work for the Sutter Home people, I don't have any problem with your company. It just is a bottom shelf wine. It is a cheap wine. It is like three dollars a bottle. I'm like, wow, that's almost free. That's as cheap as water, literally, almost. It is. Wow. So Jesus could he could have said, you know what, you know what? I mean, I, I'm I'm going to turn this water into wine, but it's going to be cheap wine. It's going to be the bottom shelf stuff, but he doesn't do that. He doesn't do that. He creates the best wine. He makes the best wine. I would have loved to have been there at this party when this happened. It would have been such a phenomenal experience. Could imagine a couple of wine connoisseurs sipping on the, the newly made wine from Jesus. And oh, this is a this is a fantastic, fantastic drop here. <laughs> You know, wine people—they always like have little things they do to they say, hey, I'm I'm smarter than you." <laughs> like I, I am swirling this around, and you don't know why. I'm sniffing it and gargling it and putting it in their eyes, moisturizing with it. What are you doing? It's wine. I'm a, I'm a I'm a wine connoisseur. What's this What's this wine called, Harry? I believe it's a new new drop. Jesus Christos, <laughs> phenomenal. <laughs> so Jesus did not make bottom shelf wine. He made the good stuff. The best is God's normal. So therefore the best should be our normal. When you come to Jesus empty, He doesn't just fill you with average. He doesn't just fill you with mediocrity, with dull, with 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 lame. He fills you with awesome. He fills you with great. He fills you with the best. He doesn't fill you with the cheap bottom shelf. He fills you with the best. So as you come into 2020, my challenge to you and my challenge to me is what are we expecting God for? And what are we settling for? Are we settling for bottom shelf? when we should be expecting the best because the best is God's normal. The best is God's normal. Don't settle for second or third best. Young person, single person, if, you, if you're if you gonna start dating in 2020, don't settle for second or third best. Oh yeah, she'll do. She's got arms and legs and that's pretty much. Marks off one box, (laughs) has arms and legs. (laughs) Aim a little higher. Expect a little more. We have a good God. Wants you to have a good life. Doesn't fill it with the cheap stuff. Fills it with the good stuff. It's not a theory, it's in the Bible. Okay. Okay. Let's continue on with the scripture. Uh, you've kept the best until now. Verse eleven: This miraculous sign at Cana in Galilee was the first time Jesus revealed His glory, and His disciples believed in Him. Isn't that cool? That the disciple this kind of blew their minds. The first thing they saw Him do, the first miracle. So the for, the fourth lesson is that Jesus does the impossible. He does the impossible. I love what Pastor Katie said before, talking about believing for the big things for 2020. And I don't know about you, but for me, I don't wanna just believe, believe God for the possible. I wanna believe God for the impossible. So please don't limit Jesus to just being a great teacher, although He was a phenomenal teacher. Some folks put Jesus in the life coach category. It kind of irritates me. It irritates me that, 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 that a that a Christian book would be in the self-help section at Barnes and Noble, because it's so much more than that. Jesus, while He was a phenomenal teacher, a brilliant, wise, smart man, had a whole other side to Him called the miraculous, called doing the impossible. Jesus does the impossible in this story. He turns water into wine. And a lot of it, It's believed 120 to 180 gallons of wine. That's a lot. That would be a very profitable business. (laughs) If you're looking for a Pathfinder idea, that's a good place to start. This is approximately 3,000 to 4,500 glasses of wine. That's a lot of wine. So either it was a very, very big wedding or they really like to drink. (laughs) You see, he does the impossible. Not only is it impossible to scientifically turn water into wine, but it is even more impossible to turn it into the best wine. Many wine experts, the people that swish it round, the people that spit it out, the people that put it in their hair, those people, or those that pretend to be, which is me. (laughs) The server brings the wine to me and says is this suitable, Mr. Davies? And I'm like, well, let me check. <laughs> yes, it's fine. <laughs> I've never rejected it once. But I always pretend to know what I'm doing. <laughs> Sophisticated. Not only is it impossible to turn water into wine, but it's impossible to turn water into good wine very quickly. Because the wine experts would all agree that new wine is nowhere near as good as old wine which is kind of why the song New Wine is flawed. (laughs) I'm just joking. It's one of my favourite songs. (laughs) You see, where there is new wine, there is new power. But where there's old wine, there's better power. (laughs) It's in the message version. (laughs) Jesus does the impossible. He turns it into not just cheap wine, but amazing wine. And He did not have the luxury of time. He did not have the luxury of ageing that wine for several years in a cellar. He does the impossible. And while I'm thinking about this, tonight, Pastor John Heinrichs is coming here to preach. (laughs) Now, whenever Pastor John Heinrichs preaches, we see miracles happening. So I'm not sure what you're planning on doing tonight, but you need to come to the 5 p.m., especially if you need a miracle in your life. You need to see healing. You need to bring someone with you tonight because I'm telling you, Jesus does the impossible. Let's not limit Jesus to just being a great teacher. Let's remember that He does the impossible. He does miracles in Jesus' name. Okay, okay, let's keep moving. The fifth lesson, the fifth lesson from this incredible passage of Scripture is that Jesus saw a need and He met it. Simple preaching. I'm a simple guy. I blame the Australian schooling system on that. He saw a need and he met it. You ever been to soup plantation? And you have, okay. You're an American, you've been there. We've all been there. You ever been to soup plantation? And, and you know, you're only there for one reason. It's the clam chowder yeah. with bacon. That's, you know, you, you don't, the, the salad part of the beginning, you don't even, you bypass that. Why would you go to, it's called soup, it's not called salad plantation. It's called soup plantation. You go to soup plantation for the chowder. So you go to soup plantation, you go to the chowder, but they run out of chowder. This is a very problematic. You've already paid. You're now stuck having to eat salad which is disastrous. That's a big problem. It's a big problem when soup plantation runs out of chowder. You ever been to Chick-fil-A and they run out of chicken? That's not gonna happen. That's never gonna happen in Jesus' name, I prophesy. I declare over that company that no one will ever run out of chicken in every restaurant. But if a young in turn at Chick-fil-A, miscounted, did a wrong stock take. It is possible, cancel. It is possible though, that they, they, they could run out of chicken. That'd be a big problem. That'd be a major need. Oh my gosh, we've run out of chicken. What are we gonna do? When you're at a wedding and you run out of wine, that's a problem. That's pretty embarrassing for the host for the wedding. That's, that's like, oh boy, I, I did not do this well. This is a big problem. No wine at a wedding, big problem. You see quite often that the the, the trademark of Jesus was finding a need and meeting it. Simple, finding a need and meeting it. In our our Christian lives, as, as you and I aspire to be like Jesus, let me encourage you and I today That one of the greatest things you and I could do, especially around Christmas time, is is just simply to find a need and meet it. Have your eyes open to see a need. Find a need and meet it. You know, your neighbour may not have somewhere to go on Christmas Day. That may not seem like a big deal to you, but it could be a very big deal for them. Sitting at home by themselves on Christmas Day. That's a simple need that you could meet. Your, your neighbor may not be able to afford a toy for their four-year-old kid. Again, a simple need, a simple problem that you could help fulfill. I'm not uh, disclaimer, I'm not diminishing prayer. We pray every week. Men's prayer, 5:30 a.m. this Tuesday, be here. Women's Prayer Thursday morning. I'm not diminishing prayer, but if your neighbour tells you that they can't afford a toy for their four-year-old kid, that their kid's not gonna have a single present on Christmas Day, please don't tell them that you'll be praying for them. Tell, if you're gonna say that, say you're an atheist because you're making us look bad. You're making Christians look bad. I'll be praying for you. They don't need you to pray for them. They need you to hop on Amazon and pick up a Peppa Pig playset for $9.99 plus tax and shipping. And if you're Amazon Prime, which I recommend, it's free shipping. I don't get paid to say that. And again, I'm not trying to diminish prayer, but, but how often do we get into our prayer closet and, and make something spiritual, which is completely practical? Oh God, just... Just send someone to my neighbor's house to, to, to bring a toy for their little kid. And God's like, uh, man, I really messed up here. Um, I sent you. I sent you. Oh, but, but you're in your spiritual prayer closet. Oh, God, you're a way maker. You never stop working, <laughs> except on the seventh day when he did stop. But that's a, <laughs> that's just a it's just biblically not. But these principles keep working. It's a joke. It's my favorite worship song. I'm having a I'm joking with the worship songs today. I love it. Oh God, just God, I'll go anywhere for you. Oh God, I'll go to Africa. I'll go to Cambodia. And God's like, I just need you to go to Walmart. <laughs> I just need you to pick up the Peppa Pig playset for (laughs) $9.99. Come on, I think we need to have a reputation that we do something. And I'm not diminishing prayer because you you know, pray for your neighbour. But sometimes you just need to go to Walmart and get a Peppa Pig playset, do something practical. It might open the door to the spiritual. But we get it the wrong way around. Oh, let me pray for you. And they're like, their minds are blown. They're like, wow, wow. You're praying for me, but I'm desperately telling you what I need. I love that we are a church full of people who do something. That even today we have people bringing in gift cards for Turning Point. We have people bringing in toys for kids. I love it, we're a church that's doing something, amen. All right, my sixth lesson, my final lesson. And then we're done today. And it's a long point, so don't get too excited. Jesus is into abundance. He's into abundance. Jesus didn't make thousands of glasses of wine for Himself or His tight little group of friends or a select few. He, he, he made a lot of wine, a lot of wine. And, and, you know, maybe again, the religious people would say, well, Jesus was trying to get people drunk. But that's nowhere in the Scripture. Nowhere in the Scripture was Jesus attempting to get people intoxicated. Jesus did not turn this wedding into a frat party. He didn't get a funnel with a pipe. Jesus. Jesus, Didn't happen. Did not happen. It's not in the Scripture. It's not even in the message, the Passion Trends. It's not even in there. Jesus did not do that. Jesus didn't steal Matthew's flask and go up to the horchata. Oh, here we go. (laughs) He wasn't doing that. So why, why, Jesus, why would you make thousands of glasses of wine? Because Jesus is into abundance. That's why He made a lot of wine. How I deal with abundance tells a lot about me. You see, we will either consciously or subconsciously be scared of abundance if we have not grasped the understanding of generosity and if our lives have shrunk to being as small as just ourselves. If our theology is founded on the incorrect foundation that God wants us to be poor, broke, suffering, or with just enough for ourselves, we will repel abundance because we'll be scared of becoming Selfish. quite often people think that selfishness is something that only wealthy people deal with. But I have discovered that you can be wealthy or you can be poor or you can be right in the middle and you can be selfish. It has nothing to do with status, everything to do with your mindset, your heart, the way you think. But Jesus is into abundance. I love this story because it proves it. He wants you and I to have an abundant life. Otherwise, He would have made just enough wine for everyone to have 1.8 drinks, or 2.4 drinks, or in some weddings, three point something drinks, or maybe whatever. He would have made just enough, but He didn't make just enough. There was leftovers. Now, if you still don't believe me, let's talk about Jesus feeding the 5,000 which Pastor Mark's already mentioned this morning. Brilliant. Mark chapter six, verse 30. We've got 5,000 men plus their wives and their children. So we've got a lot of people. That's a lot of people to feed, it's a lot. And we've got a boy with five loaves and two fish. So Jesus takes the five loaves and two fish. He looks up to heaven, He blesses them. Then He breaks the loaves into pieces. He divides the bread to the disciples. They distribute them to all the people. divides the fish and everyone shares all the food. So verse 42, they all ate as much as they wanted. They all ate as much as they wanted. This is my kind of feast. Like I like fancy restaurants but they need to up the portion size you guys. Like I don't want to have to ask for a second meal. Oh this tiny little piece of steak. Yeah, that'd be great if I was 10 years old but I'm a grown man. So they all ate as much as they wanted. So Jesus didn't just get the bread and fish flowing so that they could just eat enough, just to have just enough. They ate as much as they wanted. And then afterwards, the disciples picked up the 12 baskets of leftover bread and fish. So there was actually leftovers. There was leftover bread and leftover fish. 5,000 men and their families were fed. An abundant life has leftovers in it. I love leftovers. Leftover pizza, leftover Panda Express. It, like wine, gets better with age. But not too much, you gotta be careful there. Disclaimer. You know, reheat the Beijing beef the next day, that's it. You got one day. I love leftovers. I love going to the to the fridge and, and unknowingly, oh my gosh, what a surprise. There's pizza in here. I was gonna make an egg white omelet. (laughs) And now I get to have pizza. All the Connect Group leaders will know what I'm talking about. When you go to your pantry the day after Connect Group and you're thinking, all right, it's time for a sandwich. And then you open your pantry and, Krispy Kreme, how did you get in here? My afternoon's planned. Or when you go to work and, and one of your co workers has made a crucial mistake and, and ordered way too much penang curry for a meeting, and they're in trouble with the finance guy because they just wasted money, but, but their mistake is, is your miracle. And there is leftover penang curry in the fridge. I love leftovers. An abundant life has leftovers, but not leftovers just for you. Leftovers. For others, that's what an abundant life looks like. You don't have to be worried about becoming selfish because you can give it away. Now, if you still don't believe me, there's one more story I want to share with you. John 21 verses 1. Here we go. Check this out. This is the last miracle Jesus did before He ascended into heaven. So Jesus appears again to the disciples beside the Sea of Galilee. And this is how it happened. Verse two, several of the disciples were there. Simon, Peter, Thomas, nicknamed the twin. I love how they have nicknames, that's cool. Uh, Verse three, Simon Peter said, I'm going fishing, we'll come too, they said. So they went out in the boat, they caught nothing all night. This is why I don't go fishing. This is my idea of hell. I can fish for about 10 minutes if I've caught nothing. We're going in. Or we're going where there's Wi-Fi or something. It's relaxing. No, it's not. It's torture. For someone with ADD, it's torture. Verse four. At dawn, Jesus was standing on the beach, but the disciples couldn't see who He was. He called out, fellows, have you caught any fish? No, they said. Then He said, throw your net on the right hand side of the boat and you'll get some fish. So they did. And they couldn't haul in the net because there was so many fish in it. Verse 7. Then the disciple Jesus loved said to Peter, It's the Lord. When Simon Peter heard it was the Lord, he put on his tunic, for he had stripped for work. (laughs) I don't understand. You're out fishing with a bunch of guys. Why you'd be uh, taking your clothes off? Don't get it. I mean, it wasn't even—it was nighttime. It can't have been that hot. <laughs> like like it's—I mean, I, I don't know. I've—I've I've been on the Sea Galley. It's not—it's—it's—it's it's, it's modest. It's—it's it's not a problem. I—I I don't understand this. And now I'm even more confused because he then jumps into the water. That makes complete sense. Fish naked then get dressed and jump into the water. This just shows you that Jesus can use anyone. Okay, there is hope for anybody in this room today. There is hope. So He jumps in the water, He heads to shore. The others stay with the boat and they pull the loaded net to the shore. When they got there, they they found breakfast was waiting for them. Fish cooking over a charcoal fire with some breadsticks from Olive Garden. And they're unlimited, you guys. Verse 10, bring some of the fish you've just caught. Jesus said, so Simon Peter went aboard and dragged the net to the shore. There was 153 large fish. And yet the net hadn't torn. Okay, so here we are. Final miracle of Jesus. And again, He's doing another abundance miracle. 153 large fish. I'd assume that there's probably a handful of disciples there. They could have probably been okay with just getting a a dozen fish. 20 fish would have easily fed them, even if they were starving. Yet here we are again. An abundant miracle taking place where there is more than what they needed. Jesus doing another abundant miracle. So there are 37 miracles that Jesus performs in the Bible. I find it interesting that the first miracle that Jesus did was turning water into wine, an abundance miracle. And then I find it also interesting that the final miracle that Jesus performs is the miraculous catch. Another abundance miracle. Jesus bookends the beginning and the end of His ministry career with miracles filled with abundance. Where does feeding the 5,000 fit in this chronological order? I'm glad you asked. It was the 19th miracle right in the middle. So Jesus not only started His first miracle with an abundance miracle, and finish His ministry with an abundance miracle. Slap bang in the middle, He feeds the 5,000 with another abundance miracle. If you're gonna take anything out of my message today, Please learn this and know this, as you step out of 2019 and you step into 2020, know that Jesus has a plan for your life and that plan is abundance. He doesn't want you to just have enough for you. He's not interested in you, eking your way through life or having a mediocre life. He wants you and I to have an abundant life, an excellent life, a magnificent life. A life that is abundant in Jesus' mighty name. Come on, if you believe it, why don't you shout? Thanks for listening. To find out more about our pastors, team, and what we do at C3 San Diego, go to C3SanDiego.com.